On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Love, Identity, and Purpose will invite you on a journey in discovering your unique identity. Welcome to Love, Identity, and Purpose. This is one of our equipping series that we have put together because our desire is to help you become a disciple of Jesus Christ that will make a difference in this world. Uh, we really believe that this is such important information, so I want to get right into it. And Before I do, let me just start with prayer, because we're, we're, ask, we're going to ask God to really help us hear what He wants us to hear. So if you will, join me in prayer. Father, we love you and bless you. We commit ourselves and we commit this time to you. We ask you to help us to uh, hear what you're wanting us to hear, to, to listen to you, to listen to your word, to apply it into our lives. Thank you for each person that's watching and that will hear this. And we're so grateful and thankful for your amazing love for us. And we love you and bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to get right into it. Most psychologists and most people that say that we don't know if we're consciously asking these questions, but basically mankind is continually asking the question, who am I? Why do I exist? And am I really loved? Now, like I said, I'm not sure I consciously think about those questions, but I think most of mankind is searching for those things. And I'm going to explain to you why. What happened is, is that we were created, and that we're going to look at that here in just a minute in Genesis uh, chapter 1, but we were created to really know love, to know who we are, to understand why we exist. Um, but the problem is, is that we've lost our way. So the best way to find out, let's go back to the Word of God, go back to Genesis chapter 1, because really the only way you can discover exactly what a person or a thing was created for is you got to talk to the person who created it. So this is out of Genesis 1, and I do believe that God is the creator. He created us. Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I believe this is God's original plan for man. When it talks about creating the image of God, think about this. God is love. Now, God does love, but He is love. So if we were created in the image of God, we were created in love, for love, to know love. It talks about likeness. Well, we're, we're like God. Now, we're not God, but we're like God. We have the ability to speak and think and create like God does. But what that does, it gives us security and it gives us identity. And again, the purpose, what are our purpose? Well, he said he blessed them. And he said to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. Which again is, hey, he's saying, represent me. Now, all of this was God's plan from the very beginning was to create man, to know him and have relationship with him, to know who he is as a son or daughter of God, and to represent him on earth. He put man in a garden. He said, I want you to tend this garden. Again, represent me on earth. And he took out of, out of Adam's side, Eve, and he gave that it's not good for man to be alone. 
and together they were to rule and reign on the earth. Now, I'm, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 3, and it's a little bit of an extended reading here, but I want us to go through here because we need to understand what the problem, what happened. Genesis chapter 3 said the serpent, was, verse 1, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, tree, of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, we're going we're gonna to go back and forth from different scriptures here, but you th- you, the Satan tempted with the word of God. And then basically said, look, you're going to be, you'll be like God, doing good and evil. Well, they already were like God. And so the lie that the enemy speaks, uh, they listen to, unfortunately, verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, and took the fruit, ate. She also gave her to her husband, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Sad story, the sin that entered into the world. But there's a couple of points here I want to make. We were created to know love. We were created to know who we are in Christ as a child of God. And we were given a commission to represent God on earth. The problem in the garden when sin entered in is that all of that got got completely changed. It said they were afraid. Well, when you have a lot of fear, you've lost the love of the Father. So we, we lost that position of love. said they knew they were naked. Before that, think about this, they were naked. They were unaware that they were naked. They were so consumed with God and what they were doing that they were not aware of themselves. After they ate of that tree and they sinned, they became self-consciously aware of themselves. Uh, Nearly every problem we have is because of that. Uh, It was called shame. They were ashamed. They were ashamed that they were naked. Shame entered in. It still affects us to this day. And of course, then the last thing is that they would not take responsibility for their life. They blamed each other. I mean, I love Adam. He goes, that woman you gave me, God, but God, your fault and her fault. I mean, I'm glad we don't still do that today. But the truth is, is that you know, we're, we're infected with sin. And what this does is it causes us to, to literally be fear-based, shame-based, and we want to blame one another. And that's a problem. That's what we deal with. So when we talk about love, identity, and purpose, it's so important to understand we were created in the beginning in love, for love. We were created in the likeness of God, 
which gives us our identity, and we were clearly designed to represent God on earth. Now, that was God's original plan. I don't think he's changed. I don't think he's changed his mind. I don't think he ever changed a thing. Now, what we have, the rest of the Bible, is God going about trying to restore mankind to him, of course, which we ultimately have in Jesus. Uh, God revealing himself, takes a people out of a people and makes a people, uh, Israel. He carries them all the way through. And so that was God's plan from the beginning to, again, to restore us to his original intent. Now, I just want to point out one more thing here before we leave uh, Genesis. We know that they were cursed and that, uh, again, it makes it very clear that there's a going to be war between these two seeds that are growing up. But verse 21 of chapter 3 says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, think about that for just a moment. Uh, if he made tunics of skin, something had to die. So the solution from the beginning for sin is blood and sacrifice. And that's really what Jesus did for us. He shed his blood on the cross it was a sacrifice that he gave his life so that we could be restored. So it's, it's the same, it's that picture is throughout Scripture. All the animal sacrifices, all the various things that happened were pointing to the ultimate Lamb of God, who is Jesus. Now, I just want, to, want us to go to Romans chapter 3. And there's so many Scriptures here that we could cover. I just want to point out a couple of, of, of quick passages to make this point. This is Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Now the righteous of God, I'm sorry, verse, I'm sorry, verse 23, for the all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, I didn't say some, a few, it says all, all, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom he set at the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Wow, this is what Jesus did for us. So all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, but it was through the redemption of what Jesus did for us at the cross that he took our sin, he paid the penalty for our sinfulness, and he redeemed our life and restored us to a relationship with Jesus. He literally made us righteous, and he justified us. That's an amazing deal. Romans 8, 15. Romans 8, 15, I believe, captures the essence of the restoration of our position in Christ. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What an amazing passage. Now, what I, really, I'd encourage you to read all of Romans. It's a fantastic book. But I've jumped ahead here to look at this. This is the summation, basically, of what Jesus has done. He didn't give us a spirit of bondage. He gave us a spirit of adoption. 
That was the restored love that was lost by Adam and Eve. A restored position of knowing that he is not just loving us, but the Spirit has come upon us to cause us to know his love. He said that we are also children of God. So now I've been restored to my original identity as a son or daughter of God. And the last thing is, it said that we're heirs of God. If we're heirs of God, we have an inheritance in him. And what that does is put us back into the family business. The family business is ruling and reigning on earth. It's setting people free. It's representing God on earth. And so what we've, what's happened is we've been restored. Uh, the position that God originally intended us to know was to rule and reign on earth in relationship with him, that we would know his love and that we'd be an expression of his love, that we would know who we are as sons and daughters of God, that our true identity in the likeness of God, that we would represent him on earth and we would see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And like I said, lost in the garden through sin, but restored through Jesus Christ. So where we are today, we have the ability to, again, to know his love. Not just know intellectually, but to know his love by the Spirit. That's the spirit of adoption. We know who we are. I, I don't have to search for who I am. I'm a child of God. How do I know that? Well, it says the Spirit bears witness with my spirit. You know, I need to know it intellectually, but I need to know it experientially. So I know that I'm a child of God. And I've been restored to representing him on earth. That's really what God wants us to do. The more that I look like him, the better I can represent him on earth. And that's really what he's after. He wants us to, he's not asking us to do something. He wants us to be something. He wants to so fill us with his presence and his power to know his love, to know our identity, that we will represent him in such a way that when people see us, they're going, oh, wow, I've seen a glimpse of Jesus. Obviously, we're not, but he, but he sees that in us, and it makes a difference. So why is this important? Well, my position is, is that uh, in John 16, Jesus said in me, you have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation. That means that pressure, stress, whatever you want to call it. All I'll say is amen. There is nothing but pain and hurt and suffering in this world. Uh, Matthew 7, interesting passage, Jesus is teaching, and he said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Interesting passage. What Jesus is saying is, listen, in this world, because of sin, there are storms. They're, they're going to come against every house. We're, we're not going to escape problems or, or bad situations in our life. The storms of life are going to come against all of us. And the only issue is, is what kind of foundation do you have? Well, I'm going to propose to you the reason we did Love, Identity, and Purpose is that love, identity, and purpose is the foundation that we need to understand. Now, this is a uh, passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Paul again is speaking here. He said, for we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. Another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is, is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. What I'm sharing with you in Love, Identity, and Purpose is I believe that love, understanding, and, repar- and uh, grasping experientially the love of the Father, understanding who we are as children of God, is how we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That gives us the strength and the power to do what God's called us to do, to live in a world where there's tribulation, to recognize that the storms of life are going to come. They come all the time. And the way that we're able to stand secure is that we're built on that rock, which is Jesus, and we know his love, and we know our identity, those in Christ. Then we can do what God created us to do to represent him. And that's really what God has called us to do. I played sports uh, growing up. And, you know, and again, he played football, played baseball. I didn't realize at the time I, I was a pitcher. I didn't realize that your strength comes from your legs, your midsection. Uh, n- no one told me that. I thought that, you know, you, you had all your strength in your upper body. And I threw as hard as I could with my arm, but it ultimately, the arm is not the strength your legs are. And I'd like to just think about that for just a moment. See, I feel like what, what those your legs represent, the strength and power of stability, you put your feet on the rock, which is Jesus, and you know the love of the Father like one leg and the other leg is your identity in Christ, you will be able to stand against the storms of life. And that's why we did Love, Identity, and Purpose, because it's so important. You may say, well, I know all about that. Well, I think we'll still be discovering this for eternity. The depth of God's love is amazing. The reality of who he created us to be, we're going to continue to grow into, and really, and we get to represent him now on earth. So I just think it's it's so, so very important. Okay, now I want to talk about a little bit uh, how I saw this in Scripture the very first time. This is Luke uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 21, 22. It's when Jesus comes to get water baptized. So when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. When he prayed, the heaven was open. Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, You're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. I mean, Wow. I mean, this is a, a powerful passage. Um, Jesus himself did not need to be born again. He was birthed by the Spirit. But he, he came to be water baptized to set an example for us. We need to be water baptized. Water baptism doesn't save us. What it is is a full, complete identification in Christ. It's saying, I identify into your death and burial, and I identify as we come out of the water into the resurrection. So we need to be water baptized also. Holy Spirit came upon him. We need the Holy Spirit the same way Jesus did. It was not a born-again experience. It was an empowering experience. But here's the thing that's interesting. After this happened, it said, he heard a voice from heaven. It said, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. 
hmm, when I saw that, I thought, okay. Now, I have to ask myself, did Jesus need the affirmation of the Father? You know, the truth is, is that as God, no, he doesn't need anything. I mean, I'm not sure he did even as a son because he knew who he was, but the, but it's in the Bible. <clears throat> and put in here, in fact, there's another time at the Mount of Transfiguration where again, the, the father overshadows and hear him, this is my beloved son. So if Jesus needed the affirmation of the father, when I'm, I'm not saying he, he needed anything, but it's in here, don't you think we probably need that also? We need to hear the father say, look, you're my beloved and in you, I'm well pleased. Now, personally, I think that happens when we receive him. And it's when we're joined into life, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that actually happens. And I think it, it, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in the, the next session. But the point is, is that it's a spirit that makes that real to us. But I think God wants us to know that you're, you're, you're my beloved. I'm well pleased with you. Now think about this. Jesus had done nothing. He, he hadn't performed a miracle. Nothing. Hadn't healed anybody. Hadn't walked on water. He'd simply been a faithful son to his father and mother. Um, he's probably about 30 years of age. Not, nothing. But the father says, in you, you are my beloved son. In you, I'm well pleased. I tell you, I think God will say that to you right now. Did He's pleased with you. He's pleased not because of what we do, not because of everything we do, but he's pleased because we received the gift of life, the sacrifice of his son. If you receive that, listen, you're his beloved, and he's well pleased with you. We've, we're so performance-oriented. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we are so performance-oriented. It's hard for us to receive the love of the Father. Now, I want to continue on because this, when I saw this in Scripture the first time, it was shocking to me. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, said, And Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, again, when I saw that the very first time I ever saw this, I said, Well, wait a minute. We have the, the primary people in that's in the Bible. We have Jesus, the Holy Spirit's leading him. We have the devil, his antagonist. We have God who has spoken to him 40 days before. And this dialogue that goes on here is that the devil said, if you are the son of God. Well, he, he forgot to mention the beloved son. But anyway, he challenged the word of the father 40 days prior. So I realized what's exactly what he did to Eve. He challenged God's word. He challenged God's word. Eve didn't respond appropriately. Uh, Jesus responded, that, it's written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. He didn't dialogue with the enemy, but he responded according to the word. But when I saw this, I realized, it's, okay, wait a minute. If the devil challenged Jesus on the words of the Father about his love and his identity, wow, what do you think he's doing to us? I'm telling you, folks, he's wearing us out. And so that's why I say this is so important, love, identity, and purpose. Because if we, if we really, really receive his love and we're anchored in his love, we really 
get our identity that's in Christ. That secures us to Jesus. Not that I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about living in this world with the storms of life and everything that we encounter. When we're secure in him, because I'm going to tell you, the devil is going to do everything possible to tell you that God is not good, God doesn't love you, and that you've done something to disqualify you as a child of God. Because he realizes, too, that that's anchor points. These are the anchor points to our whole walk. If we're going to walk and live and be who God called us to be, representing him on earth, remember our purpose, if we're actually going to do that, he's got to get at the areas that we're founded in, and that's love and identity. So I want to pray for us, because I'm telling you, God wants us to be secure in this. And that's what we're talking about in this entire series. But Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you that you loved us first. You called us, or you chose us. And I pray that, Lord, you'd give us, help us, Holy Spirit, to have the revelation and the understanding of what you have created us for. You want us to know your love. You love us, and you want us to know your love. Lord, not just more information, but really know your love. So I pray for everyone that's watching this. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to discover your amazing love, to experience it in reality in our spirit man, that, Lord, we would completely receive our identity as a new creation, that we are sons and daughters of God, and that, Lord, that you created us for this time to represent you on earth. So, Lord, again, as we open in prayer, or we're closing in prayer, saying, Lord, help us to really understand love, identity, and purpose. We love you and bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.